When I joined the club three years ago, I went to Tottenham for the first time. Wow. I mean, it's, that's a cathedral of rugby, that is. What, what a stadium that is. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. It's Wednesday morning. You're very welcome along to OTBAM. It's Ger, Owen and Nathan with you this morning. Gentlemen, start your engines, please. How are you? Very well. Very well. Good morning. Where are you, Owen? Uh, I'm currently outside Caseland Park. We've been up in Belfast now for the last uh, 24 hours or so looking into the situation here as to what's going on. Got a connection, obviously, to, to the Euros, please, as uh, we look to host games in Dublin and in Belfast in 2028. Um, so I was outside Windsor Park last night. We'll bring you some of that a little bit later on. I was chatting to Joe Brawley yesterday. We'll bring you some of that later on. And uh, John Fanu from the MP as well, uh, as this becomes, as this has already been quite a massive political story, really, over the last little while, how to get this stadium built. So that's why I'm here. But I guess it's Probably hard to not try Parrot off the top of the agenda this morning, isn't it? Yeah, we'll get to we'll get to Troy Parrot in one second. So you were at Windsor Park last night. You were at Casement Park this morning. You're seeing both sides of the divide, Owen. You're bringing peace. You are the you are the emissary <laughs> of peace that this country. All we needed to do was get a morning sports breakfast show to send you to Belfast to work everything out. That's that's how to do it. That's that's what people will be saying this morning. Yeah, possibly. Uh, I'm, like I mean, I, I apologise for the noise here. The, the Anderson's Town Road is a very, very busy road at half past seven on a morning as people actually go to their go to their jobs. Uh, just around the corner are the, the estates that uh, you're going to hear about and the legal challenge after Easter when the residents uh, try and stop uh, the redevelopment here at Casement Park. There's a big objection here. Uh, and what you have is a, a stadium that you just can't get a sense of whatsoever. It is dilapidated inside. People... Uh, will have seen the drone footage on YouTube of uh, the, the elephant grass and the complete overgrown state of the field in there. Uh, and you can barely get a peek inside at the moment. So that, that is the current state of play here at this point. Uh, Windsor Park, though, uh, not so much in, in that sort of state. Uh, a really, really nice facility, to be honest. It's, um, it's, it's very well done up. And uh, a lot of people outside last night would have said, why can't we take this stadium to 30,000 as opposed to redeveloping that GEA ground? Oh yeah, okay. What about re? I'm sure you. I'm sure you fixed that with uh, with logic and reason. That's how, that's all that's, that's ever been needed with the situation in Belfast. We'll come back to that a little bit later on. But if anybody has any comments for us or any smartness that you want to get off your chest at the moment, as Owen queues outside somewhere in the early morning trying to get in, is, is this an experience you had outside Bergheim at the weekend, Owen, as well? Exactly the same. All I've done is stood outside the last four days and you know what I'm okay with that there's a sort of inner peace I've thought about everything all of my inner monologues have finally been completed at this point uh, mission accomplished uh, in terms of what's going on in my head I think Nathan good that's, morning to you that's, that, that's not really the shot that tourism Northern Ireland usually uh, give you when you see somebody up on tour in <laughs> Belfast good point yeah it's as, it's as good as I could do there is uh, there is a mural and that, that's about it there was like a, a, a kind of a, a left behind refrigerator and a skip full of rubbish at the other entrance to the stadium which I thought might have been more authentic but no I said I'd, I'd give the artsy side to the stadium All right. God it's a terrible shame to see Caseman Park in that state I remember being up there must be 10 years ago for an Ulster semi-final to road against Derry the place was packed the sun was shining and just even driving past it in the last couple of times in Belfast you could see how run down it was getting like it's a pretty it's a 
bloody disgrace what's been let happen a stadium of that size because listen, I know Owen's going to get into the uh, issues around the community there and the redevelopment and all of that but it felt at the time it was set in the perfect location actually that there was a real walking up to the ground it, it, it meant something it carried something so it's a long way to go from where Owen is standing right now to having a game at Euro 2028 we'll come back to that a little bit later on because it is time for us to talk about Troy Parrott and the difference a 97th minute winner makes to the mood music around the team and the sense of confidence they have does it matter it's a, it's a friendly against Lithuania Nathan explain to us why this matters it's hard to explain why it matters. Like, Ten minutes after the game, the Irish supporters behind the goal, the, the most hardy band of Irish supporters in that singing section, are still there singing Stephen Kenny's name. He's taking their acclaim. Any previous manager over the last decade, a scrappy 1-0 win at home in a friendly on a Tuesday night. I don't think you're getting booed off for that win, but you're. You know, people are just going home. They're getting on with their lives. They're forgetting about it, but... There's a connection there with this side that we saw on Saturday and the noise that greeted both the goals for Ogbene and Brown and just the general atmosphere around the place that maybe Irish fans are just looking for a bit of joy and happiness and they're finding it any little thing right now because we know that there's no major final coming for at least two years. But it was incredible, the reaction to the strike from Troy Parrott, which was just a sensational finish considering the game should have been long since over it. There's always something a bit more magical about a goal that you think definitely isn't coming. The game should have been over. I can't understand how the referee was still playing it. Uh, but well, the, the cheating goalkeeper, a... the cheating goalkeeper with his, his pretend injury to his balls. He was like, oh, I slipped. Oh. Well, he's, not exactly, he's not exactly the Israeli goalkeeper from 2005. No, it's not Dudo Watt, whatever but... that guy's name was. But like, in fairness, that's what happens. The wages of sin are death, buddy. You roll around, the referee stops his watch. It's not that it's not that big a deal. It's not that not that much of a mystery. The rep, for once, for once, cheating and injury time actually had an impact on the opposition. So I, I for one, wholeheartedly agree with the extra two minutes. There seems to be just a complete transformation between the relationship of supporters and players and management. Where I'm sure at times over the last five six years, the players wondered on nights at the Aviva when things weren't going well you know, if these supporters were fully behind them. Whereas now. They know that actually maybe we can go, we can take risks. We don't have to win absolutely every game as long as we look as though we're trying. Maybe there's an acceptance among the supporters, a good footballing knowledge that you know these players aren't all playing in the Premier League, that they are actually out there doing their very best. And sometimes it's it's not going to be good enough. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a funny time following the Republic of Ireland. And as I said, I cannot wait to get back here for June for whatever games happen for the Nations League. Uh, John Fallon in the Examiner has it that this is our 10th late goal under Stephen Kenny. Um, or maybe it's the 10th late goal in games involving Ireland. It seemed like it was our 10th late goal, double figures, which is fairly amazing. And Kenny talks about it being a characteristic of the team now. I mean, there aren't that many things that you would say we have established, but not dying... And, and keeping going till the very end is something that is, is definitely there. Like, is that why we're actually saying if this happened once, fine, but it's happening again and again and again that they're continuing to play to the end? And I think that's the key. They're continuing to play. It's not stick Nathan Collins up front for the last 10 minutes and hoof it up there and hope we can get a scrappy goal. Like, Ireland had four. Their four best chances of the game came from the 89th minute on last night. And they were all really good chances and would have been cracking goals even before Troy Parrott tucked one away so they keep doing the right thing they keep they just seem to up the tempo the substitutes are always making a difference has also been key 
in this run under Stephen Kenny of one defeat in 12 games. When players come on, they always seem to add something. And that was definitely the case again last night. Maybe unsurprisingly, when he's bringing a lot of the more uh, regular players off the bench. I thought Jeff Hendrick did really well when he came on. Jason Knight was buzzing around the place. And, and Troy Parrott had his, you know, his best 10-minute spell in an Ireland jersey. So, listen, it's exactly the type of thing you want from a team that they never give up. They're not going to just roll over when they were struggling at home. And on a night, again, where... They've had four goals ruled out for offside, haven't played outstandingly well. It's a friendly, you take your nil-nil, you take the little bit of stick you get at the end of it and you move on. But there was a desperation there to actually give something back, to score that goal. A, a sense of urgency that they needed this winner, that they don't want to give up this bit of momentum that they have. And yeah, those last last six, seven minutes were, were crazy. You were obviously polluting the airwaves of Twitter with your late night filth. Sorry, it's called Late Night Legal Ireland. Uh, so I don't know, did you get to the press conferences afterwards? I didn't get to the press conferences afterwards, no. But um, I was watching back a lot of the interviews this morning. And yeah, I think Stephen Kenny, as you said, uh, had a big old smile on his face. Uh, Troy Parrott spoke very well. Like, geez, what a moment. As he said, it grows up a mile from the stadium to score a goal like that in the last minute to give your side victory after a week where you know he'd spoken very well about how he feels there's been a bit of a sea change in his career over the last six months how he's basically copped himself on has realized what it's all about and what's at stake and how he's got to put the head down on and off the pitch so maybe that goal elevates him to another level with Ireland and I don't know if it quite puts him in a position to be starting come June but we don't know if the June will be two games or four games. If it's four games, everyone's going to get a game at some stage. Yeah. Uh, and before, suddenly you're a lot happier seeing Troy Parrott come on. Before the goal, when he was getting possession of the ball in the forward positions and uh, people were coming over to him, in the past you felt like maybe they were going to be able to just take the ball off him or just kind of use their physical strength. Again, equality of the opposition notwithstanding, it looks like he's benefiting from playing man's football against grown men. Well, physical strength was one thing the Lithuanians had, and they were so well organized that felt at times they were playing six at the back. But we commented commented on it during the game that when Troy Parrot had come on, he was everywhere. So one minute he was picking it up on the left, the next he was picking it up on the right. He was in that sort of floating role and was desperate to get on the ball. He didn't just come on and wait for someone else to do something and stand on the shoulder of the final defender and hope a ball will bobble his way. He was the one who was trying to make something happen. He was trying to create from deep and playing a full season of first team football of men's football in league one where I'm sure it's pretty grim at times uh, it has to stand to him it absolutely has to stand to him and he's like a, a, quite a few of these players we don't know what's going to happen over the course of the summer he'll go back to Tottenham he'll go into pre-season training there's always the chance that Antonio Conte looks at him and thinks wow I haven't seen much of this guy before let's keep him here and Harry Kane does move on and you're second or third choice I think it's unlikely considering you know, Antonio Conte wants to spend a lot of money during the summer uh, but maybe next season he's a return back to the championship he already had some time there and he just keeps moving up those levels like, he doesn't need to be the next Robbie Keane we all wish he was the next Robbie Keane but maybe it's just going to be a slower process than, than we thought for Troy Parrott but last night felt like a, a gigantic step forward for him and, and hopefully take some confidence from that for the rest of the season Is, is um, Jason not now ahead of Malumbi? when it comes to selection for the first team and first choice to try and change a game? Oh, I think he's well ahead of Malumbi at, at this stage. Uh, like, you know, Malumbi didn't really get a look in over the last couple of matches and Knight offers more in an attacking role. If you're looking at winners and losers from last night, which often in friendlies you are in terms of who can force their way into the eleven, I, I think 
Jason Knight was probably a bit of a winner in terms of Will Keane didn't take his opportunity. So if Anamina isn't fit, you'd expect for the biggest matches, they'll return to Callum Robinson leading the line. And Jason Knight, even though he didn't have his best game on Saturday, probably offers more in that he can link up with the midfield playing just behind with uh, Shidozi Ogbena. Uh, so I think absolutely Knight is, if not in the 11, he's next in line uh, for one of those roles. So uh, the fact that Malumbi hasn't, hasn't seen much game time probably shows that he's fallen down the pecking order a little bit. The other big winner from last night was Josh Cullen. Didn't play a minute, but neither Brown or Howerhan really took the opportunity. And maybe it was unfair in them in that you know, Howerhan isn't an exact replica of Josh Cullen. He always wants to do a, a little bit more and get to a bit more of an advanced position. And maybe that partnership in the middle of midfield just doesn't work. Maybe Howerhan would love to be in there alongside Josh Cullen and see what would happen then. But it does feel as though he is the one guy in that Irish team right now that, that is sort of irreplaceable. Like we've Connor Coventry in the 21s and playing exceptionally well with the 21s, who is having a full season with MK Dons as well. Maybe he can make that step up in June or in the games that come in September, October. But everywhere else, you've got options. You've got that bit of depth, you know, real depth, where actually there's not a great difference between one player or another player. But Cullen seems to hold the whole thing together right now. And if he's not there, you wonder who can do that job. Yeah, the other thing is that the under-21s won in Sweden to really reignite their possibility of qualifying for a major tournament. Um, it was a, a 2-0 win. Interesting mix of types of goals and the performance is certainly winning rave reviews. It's um, As you say, they were, they were missing a bunch of players who were playing with the seniors and also a bunch of players who were injured. So all of a sudden it looks like that next generation, we have strength and depth coming through. Whether or not any of them are actually going to end up playing for the first team who knows? But if you look back, somebody was also making the point that um, I think it might have been Brendan O'Brien in the examiner that five of Stephen Kenny's under 21s are now playing with some regularity for the senior team. And if we were to get another five to come through over the next two to four years, then all of a sudden that dearth of, uh, of players we had making it the step up to senior international level, that period would be over and we would be able to look forward to the future with some hope. Well, I think we are because I think the expectation is that Ireland should always qualify for a European Championship with the amount of teams to get through to it. And that's what I mean about depth, that I think when you look at you know rugby depth charts, as we discovered, yes, it's all very well been able to name four or five players in the same position, but is there actually any depth behind Ty Furlong? We know who's next in line, but there's a big step down. We're actually, with Ireland, and maybe it's not the most positive thing, there's not a big step down in almost every position. And in fact... In the next two years, I think the centre-back position is going to be fascinating. A back three of Nathan Collins, Darrow Shane, Andrew Bamadele, which could have happened last night if Bamadele was fit. That's bloody exciting to see those three next in line behind Coleman, Duffy and Egan. And maybe the three of them don't get there over the next two years. Maybe Egan, Coleman, Duffy, one or two of them are still first-choice selections. But all three of those players in their late teens, early 20s, look primed for big, big careers. Then you got Jimmy Dunn coming through after that. With Joel Bagan from the 21s last night at Cardiff, who's having a fine season, who maybe is an option out on the left-hand side. So there's a lot of good young players coming through. And for the 21s to qualify would be a ridiculous achievement. They're still going to have to go through a playoff in all likelihood. And they have three games in June as well. So you know, I'm sure there'll be conversations about it, but I can't imagine a situation where... Stephen Kenny is releasing players back to the 21s Not to at this stage, no. get them to qualify yeah. for a tournament. But they've got three games. But Italy and Sweden, who are the top two, still have to play each other as well. So 
if Ireland can go and win the two other games before they have to play Italy in the final match, you know, it should be enough to get them to a playoff at least. Okay. Uh, oh, and I presume around the bars of Windsor Park last night, the Republic of Ireland match was uh, was in every pub. You got to see it. Of course. Of course. I mean, uh, and if it wasn't on when Troy Paris came, came on to, to the roars of his home crowd, I think uh, every television in the land here just... Uh, just came on to, to see what they were doing down south. I guess also as well, Northern Ireland are getting beat by Hungary, so who wants to watch that? Yeah, fair enough. Um, how excited are you now to get, Nathan, when uh, Ireland beat Lithuania in the 97th minute with a, a winner? How excited are you allowed as a, as a commentator? I think, I think you know, it's, it's right up there with uh, how you'd imagine qualifying for a World Cup would be, Jer. Isn't it right? Yeah, we uh, we did bring you live an exclusive commentary of Ireland Lithuania and off the ball last night with Nathan and Stewie Byrne and commentary. Safe to say the lads got a bit excited with that late late Troy Parrot winner. Powerhands cross is a dangerous one. It's hanging there. Comes out to the edge of the area. Falls for Parrot. Oh! Troy Parrot <laughs> in the 96th minute from 25 yards out. It's like Stephen Gerrard in the cup final. That's sort of finish from Troy Parrott to steal a victory and to send the Aviva Stadium absolutely wild. Just like Stephen Gerrard in the cup final. It was a very similar finish to Stephen Gerrard in the cup final. I would have said Stephen G's final uh, goal in the cup final went straight in the corner, did it not? In my head it was a low drilled volley. Okay, that was it. They were exactly the same. I didn't say it was exactly the same. <laughs> ah, look, it was excellent. You know, it's radio. It's radio. You're trying to describe to people what happened. <laughs> Just what, look at Stephen Gerrard's goal. What do you want me to say? Stephen Gerrard's goal is basically from like the halfway between. Oh, the, it, the <laughs> when you do look back at Stephen Gerrard's goal, the more you look back at it, the more impressive it is. It's about 40 yards out. It's unbelievable. It is absolutely. That's the last kick of the game. It is absolutely unbelievable. Oh, the last kick of the game. I will give you the, the um, similarities. <laughs> they were both the last kick of the game. It's kind of where it ends. But look, fair play to you, Nathan. You did, you did, you did well. Um, it was difficult. Uh, well, it was Stewie. Stewie lost his mind a little bit more than I did. <laughs> that was the biggest roar. That was the biggest roar you heard. Uh, again, there's something. There's always something brilliant to say about goals that every, like people are leaving. People that thought not. It's not even injury time anymore. The referees. The next time the ball goes out of play. It's over. It's done. Nil, nil. On we go. But uh, for those who stuck around, which I think was almost everybody, we should uh, do a hall of shame of people who left early. Got to beat that traffic. There definitely, definitely has been like a couple of commentaries made in the room better where the sound has just gone momentarily because of the noise of the commentary, I think. Oh, well, Shane Long's goal. Shane Long's goal, the big yeah, moment where Stephen Hunt kicks the uh, machine we use, the ISDM machine you use, uh, out of its place and uh, we just went off air rather than uh, luxuriating in the moment. I thought it was just a pure sound because I, I thought there was something about Robbie Brady's goal as well. I was going to say that you could put, you could put uh, Troy Parrott scoring a goal in a friendly against Lithuania into that company with those two goals yeah. after last night. But, uh, like it's, it's, it is the best outcome from a friendly is that if you're going to win it make sure a kid gets an incredible moment that may actually be a real kickstart for him because Andorra was obviously a huge moment for his Ireland career but this is different as I say in front of his home, home crowd which I'm sure was cheering on every, every kick of the ball he had last night like this feels like I mean we won't know for a while but it feels like a, another potential arrival for Troy Paris I think you're right as well it comes off the back of uh period of sustained form and appearances 
in senior club football and you know because at that stage I think he probably had more minutes really in, in senior competitive well, it wasn't even a competitive game but you know it was kind of fringy how often he was playing for Ireland versus how often he was playing at that stage for Spurs and he's got a lot of game time now so uh, he is beginning to deliver on his promise OK, we're going to speak with uh, Vinnie Perth in just a little while about the Republic of Ireland's uh, two friendlies. You did have a full late-night League of Ireland uh, international special last night. What was the general tenor of, of the stuff that people were saying? Yeah, it was relatively positive. Uh, there was nobody throwing toys out of the pram that after 96 minutes were still scoreless at home against uh, Lithuania. And remember, after 89 minutes... I'm not sure Ireland had had a shot on target if you take away the four offside goals that were disallowed. And I think in the stats, they won't count because obviously they were offside and certainly three of them were very straightforward decisions. Maybe the Howard and one you could argue against, but I think uh, there was somebody standing in front of the goalkeeper. So a, a bit of frustration at times that in the midfield in particular, I think that Howerhan and Brown didn't take their opportunities. Like Part of me did wonder last night that like, the aim for Stephen Kenny was betting players into the system. So do you need to play three at the back against Lithuania? Maybe he's going to play three at the back against everybody, uh, regardless of their quality. But last night it did feel they could have taken somebody out from the back three and gone with another attacking player, somebody more creative in midfield. But obviously the main aim was getting Nathan Collins and Darrow Shea into a back three and understanding that system. And Ryan Manning in left wing back and knowing exactly what the different roles are. And maybe looking at the midfield and Howard and Brown and thinking, these are two experienced players. I know what they can do. They'll fit in where I need them. It, it was quite repetitive was the one frustration that it, it was just Howard and Howerhan and Brown's job felt to be just get the ball to Doherty and Manning and cross it in and cross it in. And like we had a dozen corner kicks. We had twice that in terms of crosses. And half of them came off a defender's arse and didn't get past the first man. And there was nobody trying something different. There was nobody dropping a little bit deeper against a team that had this unbelievably low block. We just who, sat back. Who, we tried to pick a pass through them. And, who, and who maybe that player that? isn't there. Probably, I'm going to ask, who is that Callum player? Robinson... Robinson or Bennett, maybe it's not Bennett's strength, maybe it's the pace and the power and trying to get him behind, which just wasn't there. I actually thought Bennett did quite well at times in in trying to do something different, but like there was no space in behind at all to make a run. And Robinson didn't have a good game. He took a couple of wild shots in the first half. He's the one who feel has that pass that can unlock a defence. They weren't helped by the fact that like, Will Keane had a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. You could tell whether it was the occasion, whether it's just that's just his level. Like, his basic control let him down three, four times in the first half and good Irish moves broke down when the ball came to him. So I'm not sure uh, whether he'll get too many more opportunities. But that maybe where his Troy Parrott comes in. I know Stephen Kenny said in the post-match press conference that Parrott sees himself as a number nine and he feels that that's probably where he'll end up. But maybe Parrott can play in a role, in a number 10 role, where he played at times with the 21s just off a striker and do something to unlock a team because that's the player we're missing right now that's the player in a slightly more advanced role when a team does sit right back and you're going to face them like Armenia were beaten 9-0 last night by Norway and Armenia and Ireland's group in the Nations League so you expect they're going to be coming to Dublin thinking we're going to sit back as far as we can and make sure that doesn't happen again who is that guy that can actually pick apart a side that has that killer ball Am I all right? Jason Knight is Jason Knight because he just dropped the shoulder at one stage and went past somebody last night and I was like wow this is great Possibly, possibly. I don't think we've seen it quite enough from Jason Knight as of yet. And that's the thing. One or two changes, like a Cullen maybe brings Ireland a bit deeper. He's the one who gets the guy to make the killer pass into a better position at the right time. You could tell last night 
half a dozen times in the first half, centre-backs telling Alan Brown to basically go away. Like, There's no need for you to drop back here and take the ball off John Egan. John Egan can bring the ball 20 yards into their half and nobody's going to touch him. But they were trying to do something different and get the midfielders on the ball earlier. But we don't have that world-class talent right now who... No. And you just hope one of those players, one of those can develop into that because we're six saying it. One player at that level just makes... It does, it does transform Garth things. Garth Bale's performance last Thursday. And uh, Garth Bale is at a level of a player that we may never get to again. But like it was like watching a 10-year-old playing against six-year-olds, even at international level, at how he could change the game. <laughs> even at international level, uh, uh, for somebody who hasn't played, hasn't kicked the ball in anger in a long time at this stage. Uh, our group in the Nations League is obviously includes Ukraine. It's Ukraine, Scotland and Armenia, as you've said. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the story is, whether or not games will go ahead. And if they do go ahead, what, what kind of a situation is going to happen? If Let's assume those games don't happen. It's a tricky enough group with Scotland in it because Scotland are, you would say, a much better team than Ireland at the moment. Yeah, they've got a spine of Premier League players. Like You even look at that midfield of John McGinn and Scott McTominay. Like McGinn just seems to be getting better all the time. Even they brought in Shea Adams, who feels like an Irish-style striker, you know, plays in the Premier League for Southampton, doesn't score a huge amount of goals, but he still scores a lot more goals than any other Irish player. I think he's seven this season and you know, we're struggling to get an Irish player to get two Premier League goals. So, yeah, Scotland have quality. They have Robertson, they have Tierney. They have a better squad right now than Ireland and certainly a far better squad than we met in the qualifying campaign under Martin O'Neill uh, when you know we went to Scotland and we were beaten. So, Scotland are going to be very difficult. Obviously, we just need to wait and see what happens with Ukraine and Armenia. Losing 9-0 in international football means that they could well be out of their depth in Group B. You'd expect that that game will definitely happen. But the Nations League, I feel feel Sheehan and Kilban, the confusion that they sowed in the Irish public uh, with their explainer a couple of years ago has almost devalued the Nations League. Uh, I'll say it again. This tournament is maybe the most important one. If the Republic of Ireland win this Nations League group, Jer. Stephen Kenny will be in charge for the World Cup campaign in 2026. Uh, you can nail me to that one. That is how important this is. The benefits of winning this group are so great that I think it would get Stephen Kenny a new contract again because you're guaranteed a World Cup pl- a playoff for the Euros at the very least. Absolutely guaranteed. Uh, you would feel that the momentum you have from winning the group would mean that you're probably going to qualify for the Euros anyways. But also, you get promoted to League A you're going to be playing some of the best teams in Europe. You're going to be bringing the best teams to Europe to a packed Aviva Stadium. You're going to be selling even more season tickets. The financial side, which is obviously important for the FAI, uh, the reward of that would be absolutely huge. So yeah, these be- games for our- Stephen Kenny are as big as anything he's faced so Our far. best hope would be that Scotland don't take it seriously because they do well at the, you know, like well, you would make Scotland Well, well there's a possibility. There's like- a possibility. So... Uh, if Ukraine can play games that Scotland play Ukraine on that first weekend on the 4th of June and Ireland then play Armenia and then they have to play Scotland or Ukraine and both of those sides have been focusing on World Cup playoffs and they've put all their emotional intensity into that and when Ireland have to face Scotland that there's not quite as much there but there's four games in the space of 10 days it's pretty much unheard of in international football if they were to all go ahead so you're looking for a little bit of depth in squad and again I think Ireland do have that depth of doesn't really make a huge difference in terms of 
which three centre backs it is, which three attackers. Well, you say that now. Is, which goalkeeper it is. You say that now, but we have seen that you know when COVID ripped through the squad, the strength and depth was not as great as we thought. It, things have improved definitely, and well, uh, things have. And I think COVID has, has added to that strength and depth as well. That actually a lot of those players yeah. have ended up getting a lot of games. But we're not getting us, so. we're not getting either Romelu back for those games like that. You I know. think you'd have to say it's highly unlikely. Yeah, and, and so and even if they were back, they would just be back like by the skin of their teeth. So. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you get Ida back. I'm not sure, um, but like it would be difficult for them to find form. And then all of a sudden, if anybody else starts to get injured, Will Key might start two of those games. You know, um, Jeez, he'd want to be a lot better than he was last night. Well, that's the thing. It's all of a sudden, you know, we're saying, "Oh, we've got strength and depth," but actually, your depth. Well, I think I, I think the obvious thing there is you play Robinson as the number nine, which he's done a couple of times, which I think has worked because then in the two positions behind Robinson, you do have a lot of options, whether it's Parrot, Knight. Of Bene, uh, several other guys who can come in. Maybe Mark Sykes starts to get an opportunity. But other, like if we have injuries, other teams will have injuries. Scotland will have injuries. Nobody is going to come into these games at full strength for for every match. But uh, they'll probably need to get it sorted out relatively soon. I'm sure everyone will be patient uh, with what happens okay. with Ukraine. But it's hard to see Ireland playing Scotland and Ukraine because the priority for them is obviously they need to get the World Cup playoff sorted. Okay, Nathan, good stuff. Thanks a million. Sure, sure. If you wanted to uh, listen back to the immediate post-match reaction last night on LOI Late Night, uh, you can get it on Twitter Spaces. We'll put the podcast up on our football feed in just a couple of minutes' time as well. We do understand that there are still issues with some of the OTB podcast feeds. It would be a massive help to us if you would slide into our DMs and tell us uh, what ones you're experiencing some issues with. So if, for example, you're not getting your OTB football feed or your OTB rugby feed and you're using Pocket Casts or you're using Podbean or one of those other uh, podcast app providers, then it'd be great for us to know that because we can make contact with them and tell them to uh, get the finger out and fix it on their side. All of our stuff is actually working properly. And that's why it's kind of frustrating from our perspective that um, this hasn't ended up working as smoothly as we hope but all of the problems we had before Christmas have been solved so the podcasts are there they're right there for you you can go and get them I promise you um, but it would be massively helpful for us we put a, a box up on, uh, on one of our Instagram stories as well if you can fill in any details on that even um, what uh, type of phone you're using whether or not it's Android or Apple that would be a huge help to us and si- sincere apologies sincere apologies on our behalf about any of the issues you might have had because we know that we're interrupting your patterns and people don't like that. So now to go back to last night's football, I'm delighted to say we've got Vinny Perth with us. Vinny, good morning to you. How are you? Morning. How's things? I'm going to start with um, uh, a quote from Napoleon. Ability is of little value without opportunity. I'd rather my generals be lucky than able. Nothing like a little bit of luck at the end of the game to go the way of the Ireland manager who, you know, has fair to say wasn't particularly lucky in the uh, first... 10 games of his reign but um, you know I, I think he's going to be pretty happy with how things finished last night I don't know I've always I always felt he was a lucky uh, a lucky general I think you have to be but there's no doubt in the first sort of uh, part of his reign he wasn't lucky but uh, um, we go back to a lot of stories over the years where he had a fair slice of luck and you need that to get to, to the highest level but no there's no doubt that at the start of this campaign we weren't lucky so um I was shocked how much injury time was played, and I think if that was a game um, of competitive nature, we would have heard the opposition really complain about it because I think I think it was near seven minutes when when the goal was scored in a friendly, nil all friendly. Normally the, the board goes up and it's two minutes, so it was. Um, and, and believe it or not, I think it could be a big moment as well. Little moments like that where 
uh, Troy obviously getting that brilliant goal and you could tell um, what's the word for that togetherness around the squad the way they celebrated it uh, in terms of players off the bench Seamus uh, Duffy went to congratulate him so you could tell it meant a lot and um, you could tell there's a, there's a building of a squad there and a team and um, uh, it was a really good moment for them last night Nathan made the point that 10 minutes after the full time whistle there were still a massive amount of fans behind the goal as well and look we, we're trying to talk about a, a friendly against Lithuania and at the same time I, I think you're right I think that there is there's more to these little bits when you're trying to build a culture and you're trying to build a sense of identity and what that identity of the team is it, it's definitely a team that doesn't give up it's a team that plays to the end and it's also a team that has this very close link with the fans and the managers are very close link with the fans as well and it's been a while since we've had that yeah I think um, um, the public relations um, and I don't like using that word because I don't, I don't put that on Stephen's head but the public relations um, a lot of people and politicians can, can learn a lot from the way Stephen has managed himself he's, he's come across as somebody who's man of the people a football person and um, they've really got behind this team there's no doubt about that so um, last night was just another moment in that. I think uh, there's no doubt there's a team ethic development. All good teams have to have that um, or else be be that good that it doesn't really matter that a world-class player can score a goal for you at different stages. So um, we're going to... We, I, I would have said on this show over the, the last couple of years about spoke about club teams like Wales, the way at the Euros they, they created this sort of... Um, yes, they had Gareth Bale for the big moments, but it was almost like a club culture. And from the outside looking in, I see that developing within the Irish squad. Um, and once you have that, I think you'll go a long way in, in international football. So all of them things seem to be working well together. So for, again, as I said, small small win last night in the sense of what was at stake. And, um, but a bit, these little moments are huge. They're huge in, in terms of um, it's only the coaches and the managers really that look back to these moments in league campaigns when someone scores a, a goal. I remember going back years in 2014, uh, Darren and we were nil all in Athlone and 93rd minute, one of our players dived and Richie Tell scores a penalty and we win the league. For me, that was a huge moment. For everyone else, it means nothing. But that's that's what football is all about, these little moments. And last night was, was one of them that hopefully are are part of bigger success down the road. When you're talking about the Welsh example, what are the signs you're seeing about this Ireland squad that remind you of that kind of sense of them being more club than international at the moment? Um, I think that I think unity. Um, uh, you, I think now, particularly uh, a coach who's worked around, even in Ireland in, in League of Ireland, the, 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 the scrutiny of of what you do on a daily basis in a club is huge. And I obviously had that scrutiny at a different level for different reasons uh, at my last club. But I think you're getting such an insight into what players are thinking now because of social media, because of uh, whether it's the FAI media team putting up training videos, etc. And you really get you really get the, the sense that there's a, there's a unity about this team. There's a togetherness. There's, um, you know, you can see Duffy... Um, Coleman, these people, real sort of strong characters in the dressing room. And you can just see, as I said, um, the joy the players had for Troy Parrott last night. Not just the celebration. Celebrations look after themselves. Viva Stadium, last minute goal. But it was actually when the cameras continued to roll and you see 
Um, Callum Robinson came over to him. Different people going towards yeah. him. I think that was. Uh, I think it's little things like that where you can you can see that development. You look at someone like Chidozi, um You can tell he's infectious the way the players speak about him. Um, and modern day players don't have to do that now anymore. They don't have to throw it away. They can they can give you the sort of um, uh, boring answers that you, you you won't like in terms of radio contact, but. They don't seem to do that around this squad, and, and it's a real sense of a team developing there. Yeah, and and so they they set out the friendly against Belgium. Okay, you'd expect that, but then everybody knew Belgium weren't going to bring their superstars, and they still sold it out. And then there's a huge crowd last night for a game against Lithuania, and despite the fact that we can't score for 96 minutes, there's this sense of positivity around the team. It's amazing how quickly things can change in football. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look. Um, I think we need to be careful as well. I, I mean, uh, you, you listen. I, I, I haven't listened to yourself and, and Johnny discussion yesterday morning, and you're like, no, it's not all. It's not all rosy in the garden either. Just areas of improvement. Last night was uh, an area of concern in terms of uh, a weaker team. Um, and so, if you if you put this into a, a group context. When we play the European Championship qualifier or World Cup qualifier, we play a seeded team uh, either first or second in an international window. And that second team that's below us in the seeding, we've got to do better against. And I still think that's an area of improvement for this team. Um, we were very lucky ultimately to win the game last night, uh, that last minute goal. So, so that's an area of concern. Um, I know there were some changes, but... Um, we, we've got to do them things better. So th- there's loads of improvement. There's loads of areas to get better. Um, I, 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 I know we say that the, the squad is developing in the sense of uh, strength and depth, but there's a lot of players very similar. And um, I'd have some questions on last night. Could we have done things better? Well, whether that was shape or whether that was personnel. Let's get into them then. We, we've spoken, I'd say, historically uh, over the last couple of years, a good bit, Vinny, with you specifically about the number 10 role. We don't seem to have anybody at the moment who's particularly comfortable. And was that the main issue last night? That there wasn't actually anybody who was doing something slightly different? Yes and no. I think um, I, I would question... and. Uh, it's difficult. It's difficult for me in terms of how close I am to people within the setup to be critical. I would question, and it is so difficult if you've got a style of play, the three, four, two, one, whatever, different variants of that. That's Ireland's style now. We've developed into that. And I think that works against a lot of the top nations where I'm not personally in favour of that system is when you play against a team that's going to sit in, you've got, for example, you've got Matt Doherty who gives you the wit out wide, but and, and at different stages, you may, maybe Chidozi you running into the wide area. The difference in a, a slightly different system, whether that be some variant of a 4-3-3, is if Matt Doherty was playing fullback and he had an out-and-out winger ahead of him, you'd have two and you'd create two be ones in the wide area against teams that sit in. So I think the shape against these teams is something. Personally, I'd be a bit disappointed last night that in, in that, because it was a friendly, in that flip over between a top nation being Sweden and then going to a team that we should be with 78% possession in the first half. Didn't create an awful lot. People are saying we'd four goals ruled out for offside, but they were offside and you wouldn't get them in a, in a game, particularly if VAR was in. So um, that's a concern. I think we the, the number 10 position, I think Will Keane, I've seen him at Wigan. I've gone and seen him live there. He's 
And people say, well, it's League One. They're about to be promoted, hopefully, to the Championship. I think that's good for Irish football at them and rather to get promoted. Um, but he's an outstanding number 10. Didn't really play. He's not an out and out centre forward for me. So um, I, I wonder, could we have changed the shape up a little bit last night uh, against a lesser nation and maybe tried something different? We'd nothing to lose. Um, or, or else, like the management are entitled to say, no, we're, we're, we're 3 4 2 1 team um, but that's a concern for me because we have struggled um, against those type of teams that sit in against us and do you think the results haven't been good do you think that maybe there's a case by case basis here so so uh, let's spool forward to the uh, Nations League and it's Armenia that maybe when he's not giving Nathan Collins a start and he's not getting Darrow Shea back into the team that he might actually go and play a different formation for that game because um He'll have he'll have had his first choice. He'll he'll you know he'll definitely be picking his strongest team for that competitive game. There'll be no rotation of yes. players. That actually in that instance that, that maybe last night was a, a horses for courses selection that they wanted to give Collins and O'Shea game time in that three at the back scenario because if for example the injuries are what we think they might be um, in the summertime we're playing Scotland and they haven't played there then it's a, a huge leap for them. Yeah, but the only issue with that is we're not stuck at centre half. It's not where our real problems are. Problems, not they're not problems as such. But where we've got to get better is is in midfield area. So, um, and and look, it's okay if you're Chelsea um, because you're going to win most games playing that system. It's okay if you're Man City and you say we're not going to play centre forward today. We're going to dominate. We're the best team in your league. It's okay to be Shamrock Rovers in League of Ireland because you know you're going to have most of the ball, but. Ireland aren't any of them teams. We're not the best team. We're middle ranked in most groups we come into. Um, we're looking to punch above our weight. And I only asked a simple question. Did we miss an opportunity last night of trying a different system, different shape in a team uh, that we're going to dominate against? So do we need three centre-halves? I take your point and, and I would imagine that's... Um, if I had this out with Stephen... Um, I, I'm no longer uh, that's no longer my role in life but if I had it out with Stephen he'd probably make that point you've just made but um, I think modern day football is all about different systems uh, managing the opposition and coming up with different scenarios so you will find that I think we played really well under Stephen against top teams by and large and we've struggled under teams that aren't as good so that's my area of concern what we can't do is when the Euros come around or World Cup come around have an amazing performance against a Germany or a um, Belgium as we did tonight and then drop silly points against a team because we don't have a cutting edge and, and we're short of that number 10 position as we keep saying I mean Alan Brown looks like a goal threat every time he plays for me um, but it doesn't mean we have to start Alan Brown every time but come up with a scenario where someone like Alan Brown can come into the team when we played in lesser nations but again probably repeat myself a lot there but I no it, it uh, makes perfect sense and and the opportunity cost on one hand is that you will go into a big game without your young players having experience of the system you're going to play in the big games and the other side of that is that you don't know what to do in against the lesser opponents so if 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 you'd had your well, opportunity that's why you played the big book chair like to well, be fair and it's easy for me to sit here uh, and and come, and come up with a different uh, argument to it that's all so what what would you what would the other formation be if you were actually trying to um, to build a team to beat Armenia? You know, because those points are going to count as much in the end 
as uh, mm-hmm. and if you drop those points, it, they're the ones that end up really wrecking your CV. So, what would you have done last night, for example? Well, well, well for example, last night could we have played um, with, with two eights of like you look at Hurahan, who I think is a highly underrated player. You look at the position he played for Aston Villa that time, where he had Jack Grealish. He was outstanding at times in terms of that number eight, just off the left hand side. Grealish was allowed to roam. So if you imagine you replaced a Grealish with someone like a Troy Parrott playing ahead of him, then Huron covered that position. He's done it before club level at the highest level Premiership. Brown as another number eight, uh, and somebody sitting in behind him. Um, in terms of that type of midfield, so Josh said, Cullen, basically Josh Cullen, yeah. obviously yes. Um, um, in terms of that position, can can we get um, you know Matt, Matt Doherty is a fullback? If Ender Stevens is fit, another fullback, and say to them, right, we're playing Armenia here. Like if you think of our current shape, a lot of our attacks are down the centre of the pitch. We're hoping that um, Robertson and and Abenia spin out to the side, but against a team that's going to sit in make the pitch really narrow, then you've got to hurt them down the sides for me. And that's where um, I would have went with a different system last night or certainly would have asked a question or went to it at some stage in the middle of the game. Now, it is difficult, yeah, trying to teach people how to play in these systems. But I think the modern-day player can adjust the systems. They'll go back to their clubs, these players, um, and play, like, uh, they play all sorts of different systems. As I said, go back to Will Keane. He plays as a number 10 um, for for Wigan, and he's outstanding at, at that role as well. Um, Alan Brown plays in all sorts of formations. Sometimes he's a, he's a wing back uh, for Preston at a really high level, the Championship. So uh, probably a little bit of a missed opportunity for me, but I completely understand why you do it. It's about getting results at the moment. It's about the rhythm and the and the pattern of play. And I think the system we have at the moment is brilliant against the better teams. So uh, be under no illusions. I'm not criticising the way we're playing I think the way he played against Belgium was excellent caused some huge problems and if that was a competitive game probably Belgium would have better players there I like the style of what they're doing I just think we have to have a plan B and start to develop that over the next number of months Uh, Have you seen any or significant evolution in our style in the last 12 months? Yeah absolutely I mean look um, I think we all know we started with a flat back four. We played one number six and two number eights. It didn't work. And um, and yet I'm calling for that to a point. But it didn't work against good opposition. We were too uh, exposed in the midfield at different stages. Um, we, but but I think I think when you, you go back to last night, for example, because it was the second game in a campaign, and again, that's where we need to learn from. I think Chidozzi wasn't as explosive as he was against Sweden. Still played quite well. Um, I thought uh, Robinson wasn't as explosive again as he was the other night. So, again, that's why we didn't look at plan B. But how, how we developed, we've got the ball forward a little bit quicker, not direct, not um, long balls, but we've, we've used our pace and our movement down the side. People haven't really noticed, but at different stages against Belgium, it, the, the interaction between the front three with Jason Knight sometimes as, as almost like the false nine was brilliant he, he went up the pitch and back the pitch he was excellent I think he's a real a real find I think it was only a matter of time bef- before people seen the, the quality he had I know everyone's talking about Derby now but we would have spoken to show maybe 10-9 months ago and we were speaking about Jason Knight might overtake the Conleys the, the, the Pirates of the world in terms of the squad so the pool of players have really developed um, 
but we've a lot of players that are very similar that's the concern like, yeah. we've a lot so, of good centre halves a lot of good midfielders I'm, I'm, um, I'm out of time here but what, what's Jason Knight's best position for Ireland and does he have to start because it feels like he, he just brings now maybe he can't start every game because he's so young and the explosiveness won't be there game on game on game but like um, I want him in the team <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it depends on the opposition. And uh, that's, in one sense, that's a lazy answer with a lot of detail behind that because it depends on the opposition. If you look at the position Jamie McGrath played against Portugal, I think he's he, uh, he's brilliant at that position. But I also think um, against, for want of a better word, if we're going to stick with the shape against lesser opposition, he could play much more central and allow um, Robinson and, and Chidozi play in those areas as we spoke about those sort of half and half centre forwards in between the opposition fullbacks and centre halves. So um I, I think he's I think he's right on that limit where yes he's he's a bit like Josh Cullen. He sort of slowly, slowly came into the team and now probably deserves to play. And I think if he got games over the, the summer, I think once the summer's over he'd head into the Euros as one of our starting eleven. I think he's he stepped up to the plate. It'd be interesting to see what happens with my club level as well because um, it looks like Derby will go down. So yeah. will he end up at a championship club? And I think that's okay. I think um, a longer discussion, we must get into it one day, but I, I was I was looking at something over the weekend and I could only count 12 premiership players. And I was including Evan Ferguson that who got some game time at Brighton. So he's just a young lad coming through. It's okay to have a team going back to Wales of championship players playing a really good standard week in week out that's a really high level the level of the bar like back in 2012 we had nearly 40 players in the premiership at premiership clubs getting some game time when we last when we qualified for yours that time so the, the numbers are right down but it's okay now to be championship based for the Ireland squad with a bit of sprinkling magic on top of that would, would be good enough so yeah it's 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 certainly uh, a lot of positives as, as much as I went on about a bit of negative there a lot of positives things have really come together and stuff we said would happen has started to happen Vinny good stuff great to have you with us thanks a million thanks a lot talk to you soon that's uh, Vinny Perth giving us his thoughts there this morning on the Republic of Ireland situation always thoughtful in the aftermath of those games OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar 